Today's show is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial specifically for the listeners of Geekspace 9 at the URL GameflyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that is GameflyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9. And welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me as always, trying to avoid the sun as best as she can, is Sarah Becker. <laughs> Story of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and also with me is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? Slightly tired because I just woke up from a nap. But mm, thankfully, my phone was going off loud, loud enough that I was like, oh, shit, it's time. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. And I am Ben Haworth. And this week, we are discussing season four, episode seven and episode eight, which is Starship Down and Little Green Men. So first up is Starship Down. The Defiant is sent to a remote gas giant to discuss trade issues with the Karema, a Gamma Quadrant race that Quark established relations with a few years ago. Their representative, Hanok, is angry at all the tariffs they have to spend on shipping goods to the Alpha Quadrant, which angers Sisko, as the Federation has no tariff laws, and this was merely a way for Quark to embezzle money. Hanok meets with Quark and begins to ream him out when the Karima vessel is attacked by two Jem'Hadar ships, which chase it into a gas giant. The Defiant follows in pursuit. However, with the atmosphere, they are unable to scan for the ships, and the Defiant is critically hit and unable to escape. Jadzia goes below to fix the engines, but another attack ruptures the hull. To save the ship, Bashir seals off the area with him and Jadzia inside, where they are only temporarily safe as oxygen and heat leave their section. They huddle for warmth as Bashir notes the irony that when he was more infatuated with Dax, this was his biggest fantasy. With the engines back online, the Defiant manages to destroy one of the vessels, but the bridge is critically hit. The non-bridge crew assumes the worst, and Sisko suffers a massive concussion. Kira tends to him, telling, trying to tell him stories to keep him conscious, but realizing they've never talked about anything other than work. She tells him stories of Bajoran fairy tales to keep him awake. Meanwhile, Quark and Hanok continue to argue when an unexploded torpedo hits the room they are in. They realize it is up to them to disarm it, or else the whole ship may be destroyed. The duo decide to put aside their disagreements and disarm the bomb, which they manage to do. Worf struggles as the acting commander, but after some advice from O'Brien, is able to inspire the engineers to come up with a solution. They manage to destroy the other Jem'Hadar ship and leave the gas giant with the Karema crew alive. Back on DS9, Hanok is willing to take more risks, including a winning streak in Dabo that angers Quark. Jadzia saves Bashir from getting his ear talked off by Morn. Worf gives a lenient order to engineers, to which O'Brien tightens, telling Worf the key to command is a middle ground between leniency and sternness. And Sisko invites Kira to a baseball holosuite program, which she agrees to happily. What do we think of Starship Down? The scene at the very end where Kira puts on the baseball cap is just the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and now she just like like because it is clearly foreign to her, like if she's like hot dog and he's like, Ask Quirk, he'll know what you're talking about. It's 
Which also makes me just laugh at Cisco Price. Like, Quark, a hot dog is a thing from ancient Earth. And you just, just look it up and just make it for me. Um, yes. This episode was okay, in my opinion. It was definitely a bottle episode. It was definitely one yeah. where they did this interesting thing where they had pairs. They had all the people pair off in a dangerous situation yep. and see how they do with that pairing. I, it's just weird for me because I love submarine movies, and this is literally named after a submarine movie called Grey Lady uh, Down. And it's like the same thing. It's like people stuck in a place trying to survive, don't know where your enemies are. Uh, yet I found it kind of boring. I'm not sure about you guys. I feel the same way. I mean, like you said, it was it was fine. There were some nice moments, but... It didn't really do anything to advance the plot or character development. So, as you said, it was a bottle episode. It was a very static episode. And yeah, I mean, it. for me, I, th- I think I think the biggest character developments that character developments that blah, 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 I can't talk ever. The biggest character developments that we probably got out of this episode was just the progression of Kira and Cisco's relationship outside of talking about as she noted just work and so of course Cisco with his concussion and her and her trying to keep him awake he like he, he was like okay well you're telling me fairy tales uh how about let's go to a baseball game and so it was like okay well at least we got that out of the episode which I appreciate because it's because you look back and you do, and you realize oh yeah they really do talk about nothing other than work whereas the two of them have well developed relationships with everyone else but not each other. Well, yeah, they have they they bring up an interesting thing, which is you know, uh, he is Kira's messiah, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. there's that. <laughs> you know? And like she addresses that that's a very weird situation that he is under, and it was nice to have a little bit of a interesting thing with that. I feel like everyone had a decent thing, but I think you're right, Sarah. Where it's like nothing changed. It was just more of addressing minor issues. That yeah, I didn't really think true. about the um, Kira and Cisco's relationship, though. That was a really nice part of the episode. But that was the only time it happened, and they didn't spend all that much time with it. Therefore, right. the episode as a whole was uninteresting. Although, we had a really great guest star as James from uh, James Cromwell. Yes. Uh, uh, the person who played Hanok is James Cromwell, who Star Trek fans will know as Zephyrin Cochran and uh, First Contact, the man who made First Contact with aliens. And this is in a lot of Star Trek. Also, of course, the farmer from Babe, who probably <laughs> most, most people know from Metal Do Pig. What did, what did you tell me that that was, you know, the most or the, the fewest so, so, words for an Oscar-nominated role or something? Yeah, was that's it? what I've, I've heard. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I've heard that that's like the least words that I mean, Oscar nominated acting role has ever had um, mm. supposedly because he only says like a few lines here or there and it's mostly just him looking at Babe like mm. Mm. yes I love the moment when in, in Babe where you know his friend calls and says Arthur you won the pig oh <laughs> like that's it that's the scene <laughs> it's great I'm sorry I'm, that's that's a huge digression <laughs> I, 
Sarah, I will do a babe minute by minute podcast. So don't worry about yes! it. Like, <laughs> babe and Babe Pig in the City are I think your two masterpiece movies that I will totally. I think defend. I might have Babe Pig in the City on DVD actually. Just it was one of those random like, you know, buy these three movies that didn't do very well and they're all on one DVD. Right. It's like thing. Babe Pig in the City and then just like something random like uh Corky or something just weird, yeah. Yeah. Something that you like, something that you heard about once when you were seven, but haven't thought about of since until you're like, oh, I'm 25. What is this? <laughs> those those multi pack DVDs are always fascinating to me. Like, why are these here? Like, why is the Manchurian Candidate always so cheap? I don't know why, but it's always five dollar bins. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what it is. Why does no one care about this movie? But anyways, as we can tell, we're not the biggest uh, interest in this episode. But let's talk about a few of the other pairs. What about uh, Jadzia and Bashir's? All right, I'll be a little bit honest. It for for a couple. I appreciate that you know Bashir was talking about. Well, I don't know if I appreciate it or if it makes me kind of uncomfortable that he was like, "Oh yeah, well this used to be like my biggest fantasy is you know be locked in a small room with you and then we'd get it on." Like, why did he feel the need to tell her that? But you know, even that aside, it felt for a little bit that maybe they were gonna kiss. And I was like, "You just." <laughs> Aired, rejoined. If they kiss, <laughs> I'm done with the show. I mean, it's not famous. The show is not famous for its continuity, but Jesus, that would be that would just hurt. That would be yeah. Um, which is why I'm glad but she they they didn't shot kiss. It down. It was my, yeah, yeah. She, she was, was like, pleased. dude, we've been friends for how long? If you dare try <laughs> to restart this shit, <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 that's just not where I'm going with this. I was like, why did you say it, Julian? I don't know. Yeah, it was a weird. It was definitely a weird thing to say. I feel like maybe if they had addressed that, it was a weird thing to say. It could have worked. You yeah, know what I mean, where he's like, "Why did you talk about it?" He's like, I don't know. But yeah, I, it definitely I, it, just it came off as just creepy. Yeah, and I think he was trying to make like jokes, but I don't know. Making someone uncomfortable while they're freezing to death is really the best choice in the world. No, classic man. Still got to still got to keep an in. Even when they're dying, just gotta keep that door <laughs> wedged a little God, bit open. Gotta keep that tiny ass little door stop, you know, so there's ever a slight chance it's right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Such a man move. The other highlight I thought was I did enjoy Quark and Hanak. I mean, James Crummel is is great, and they're just really fun banter together. It was actually um, I didn't recognize James Cromwell for probably the first half of this episode because. You know, Michael Westmore has done it again. Really good and interesting makeup. But then when he started laughing, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I know this man. I know that laugh. Yeah. I know who. I see you. <laughs> I see you, James. I was on edge because you were like, guess who the guy in makeup is? And like, I was listening. I heard that slight. He's not Irish, but he sounds Irish to me. I don't know why. But he's like, mm. uh, but he has like yeah. this certain brogue to him that I heard. And I was like, James Cromwell. And the problem is I After, always confuse James Cromwell and A. Bigley Jr. So that was my, like, I had to figure out which old guy I was thinking of. <laughs> After I said that, I realized there's really only one, like, new character who's wearing makeup. So, <laughs> you know, you could have just looked for the person in makeup and be like, oh, it's them. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for being a good sport about my enthusiasm, as you always are. I mean, it's legit enthusiasm. Like, it's yeah. totally, yeah. it's totally valid. Dude, I'm, I'm all about. Yeah, James there's Cromwell. this. 
Mm-hmm. There's some great moment where, you know, the torpedo's, like, wedged in the wall or whatever, and Quark was like, I thought you told me you, you did clean business. He's like, well, I do. He says, well, clearly you sell faulty torpedoes. And then they both just, like, crack up. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought that was an absolutely hysterical moment. That was nice. That was a really good bonding, like, enemies bonding moment, which I always yeah. enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice to see, you know, him take Quark down a peg. Yes. Sort of learn some of his game as well, you know. Because I feel mm-hmm. like the implication is Dabo is rigged at some points or... Oh, easily. Yeah. Because he definitely looks at Quark like, oh, I'm betting. And Quark's like, really? He's like, yep. (laughs) And Otis looks on, he's like, you got yourself yourself someone to contend with, dude. Congratulations. I'll just leave. I'll just let him be. Quark's like, I've created a monster. (laughs) What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) And then our last pairing was uh, Worf and O'Brien, where Worf sort of learns a little bit more about command. Uh, yeah, okay. he, he's, yeah, he seems to be getting little tidbits of lessons of how it works on deep on deep space nine space yeah. station from just everyone, <laughs> and it's and and this is just like another basically like five they they could they could have made like an episode of this like five minute segment and just been and just been like a day and like not well not a day be like a week in the life of Worf on this space station just be like yeah monday he learned this I, tuesday learned this wednesday learned this and so it's like today is thursday and he and he and he's learning that you know sometimes you got to give them a little slack but you're still holding on like i'm still the one in charge guys so it's like it's a thursday for him yeah there's actually just a tng episode i just watched it's literally just a day in the life of data <laughs> Yeah, the, the I remember that. Yeah. is up to. <laughs> I think you could have done a day in life because he's very much treat, being treated in the season like the freshman. It's yeah. Like, yep. He had seven seasons on Deep Space Nine. I think he took command a few times. I seem to recall mm-hmm. him being on Next flying. Gen. Next Gen, yes. Um, on Next Gen, he had seven seasons. I think he. I think he took command a few times. I think he mm-hmm. does what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and and he was he was able, and and plus he was able to adapt from like just full on Klingon culture to to feder to Federation laws. So I don't see why it's too big of an issue for him to adapt to a space station. It's like you should kind of know like okay, do this, not that, do that, not this. Like it shouldn't be that difficult of a stretch for me, at least in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I felt like the moral I... ambiguous thing was more interesting than like the command thing because yeah, I, I never doubted his command abilities but i could definitely see Worf being like what morally ambiguous i don't get that yeah. i see bad guy i kill bad guy that's what i do on that show what were you gonna say sir i well i just i almost feel that you know they had the the other three pairs and they're like okay well we don't quite have enough time run time on this episode so we need one more pair who's it gonna right. be <laughs> they picked Worf and o'brien because that's who was left yeah yeah well, is there anything else to say for uh, Starship Down? Uh, Not really. I think that we, we talked about everything that happened. Just about. Yeah. It's a pretty light episode, I feel like. so. Mm-hmm. For you, the listeners of Geek Space 9, Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And you guys, if you are gamers out there, and I'm sure if you listen to Star Trek, you very well could be a gamer, you guys have to check out Gamefly.com. They have over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, and a lot of older systems as well. And get this. 
you can have any console game or handheld game delivered directly to your mailbox that you get to have as long as you want. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've gone to the game store lately and bought a new AAA game, you'll find out that things are pretty dang expensive. And you could be $60 in a hole of a game you don't even like, whereas in Gamefly, you can just send that bad boy back, get a new one in, and keep that one as long as you like. There are never any due dates or late fees, and get this, now Gamefly actually lets you rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as too. So if you're a nerd like me, and still get your movies in the mail the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned as in 2005, then you're going to love Gamefly.com. Plans start with one disc a month for $15.95, but as mentioned before, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to GameFlyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9 for your free 30-day trial. Well, I think you enjoyed the next one a lot more, which is Little Green oh, yeah. Men. Totally. In this episode, Nog and Rom are excited to have a sort of Ferengi garage sale to sell off Nog's childhood toys as he is going off to Starfleet. Quark seems disinterested until he learns his cousin, who he gave a loan to years ago, has paid off by buying him his own shuttlecraft. Suddenly, and very suspiciously, Quark offers to take Nog and Rom to Earth himself. Before leaving, O'Brien and Bashir give Nog an encyclopedia of Earth, which Nog begins to study. Along the way, Rom reveals the real reason for Quark's trip, that he plans to smuggle chemocyte, and Rom and Nog demand a cut to keep quiet. Quark agrees, but is flustered to discover the ship is crashing, realizing his cousins sabotaged the shuttle. In trying to fix the ship, Rom accidentally sends the ship back in time. Don't you just hate it when that happens? They travel all the way back to 1947 Roswell, New Mexico, where their ship crashes. Quark awakens to discover the trio in a military infirmary, and their universal translator is broken. Nog recognizes they are 400 years in the past, and possibly in Australia. When the humans try a feeble attempt to communicate, Quark thinks the three Federation humans are stupid enough to be duped, and make him very rich. After Rom fixes their translators, Quark begins to communicate with the humans, trying to sell weapons to them based on what little he's gleaned of Earth culture. During a checkup, a German shepherd seems interested in Cork and turns out to be Odo, who had snuck aboard a Cork ship early on as he knew he was smuggling chemocyte. He demands Cork not mess with history, but Cork is still adamant. However, Cork quickly changes his mind when a military interrogator arrives who thinks the Ferengi are there to start an invasion. After a cunning ruse by Nog, the trio escape. They are taken to their ship by a scientist and his girlfriend who are sympathetic to the aliens. Nog uses the power of an atomic test along with the chemocyte to propel them back to the present. Back on DS9, Odo takes Quark in for smuggling. Quark demands Rom helps him, to which Rom says he'll ask their cousin if he knows a good lawyer. What do we think of Little Green Men? This episode it was, was fun. Oh my god, it was ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Just... We got a wacky episode! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank we god, needed it! <laughs> The first seven episodes of this season were just so depressing. Right? Yeah. Even the previous one. Like, I mean, nothing was really sad, but there was, like, all that tension or, you know, emotion when, you know, Cisco had the concussion and Kira was crying and praying and whatever. Yeah, right. So it was, so it was still a successful like, episode. Serious. It was depressing. Yeah. Yeah. 
no, fit I... here. We just have, you know, Quark asking, you know, a 1940s Earth woman in Ferengi if she's going to give him Umox. I don't understand Ferengi, <laughs> but I know what Umox means. <laughs> and both Nog and Rom being like, can you, can you respect my ear? My ears hurt. <laughs> can you massage them? Uh, I think I mentioned before on this that I'm not the biggest fan of these Star Trek episodes where we go back in time and meet Abraham Lincoln. And on paper, Cork is the one who is the alien in Roswell. Sounds horrible. But I really enjoyed this episode I quite did a too. bit. I think just uh, they've set up very well that Cork, Nog, and, and Rom are all very unique characters. I like all three now, shockingly. And. I think they play off of each other very well. And then the other thing is they get to just make fun of people the whole time, which is really fun. It's just there really fun to make fun of humans for an hour. Right? Excellent like, social commentary in that episode. Right. Like just <laughs> hearing like and, and th- this was a, this was a show that aired in the 90s and so and so hearing so hearing them call people people like who hearing them call humans like not that far from you know react like from our history it's like people back then were primitive and violent they smoked cigarettes because it was poison and they killed each other they bought it and it's just like <laughs> this is wow okay thank you <laughs> tell us what you really think star trek yeah definitely the smoking the smoking felt like the most 90s part where it was like mm-hmm. you know 90s were very anti-smoking and it was oh just- yeah for sure you smoke tobacco, and, and apparently in the production they were going to have Cork get addicted to cigarettes. Which is oh, how funny! Fix that. My goodness. <laughs> but uh, it, it was very fun, and I especially enjoyed it because I think they very much played up the cheesiness. They basically made a 1950s B movie with all the stock 1950s B movie sci-fi characters. You have the cigar-chomping general played by Charles Napier, who's like the greatest character actor ever, and you've got like. The scientist who believes the aliens are right, and his girlfriend who just wants to believe and hope and future, and it's just like, and then the oh, evil no, government yeah. wants to kill them, Her and it's just like, it's Her so cheesy and perfect. Great. Her character was great every time she opened her mouth. But I just think that I just want to do this and I just want to do some peace and we can help them. It's just like, oh my God, can you please stop talking for like five seconds because you're like right on the cusp of annoying me. <laughs> but it was so funny how, 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 they, how they make out and then drive off to god knows where as 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 quirk and company fly off and back into space just like this is a ridiculous image but i will accept it yeah and just the the general as he flies away like what we only found a weather balloon it's just like it's so cheesy (laughs) it's so perfect (laughs) i very much appreciated that element of it and and like you said sarah the the uh social commentary elements were very fun i like the idea of quirk being like oh stupid humans <laughs> like yeah and i i like the way he bullshitted where they were like i'm gonna sell you weapons what to the russians yeah the russians <laughs> <laughs> australians hate russians we're americans whatever whatever <laughs> and then he's like, fishing obviously the for general these... should know he doesn't know what he's, he's talking fishing about for but... all these things that are you know human or american is like root beer hot dogs baseball <laughs> We've seen it all. <laughs> like those are the three <laughs> human things that you know. Quark. I remember the four exactly because it's it's brilliant because they're all four from the show, which is great. Which is like uh, b- baseball, root beer, darts, and atomic weapons. Oh, that's right, darts. <laughs> and because Sarah's like, yeah, that's that's America. Atomic weapons, and it's like that's a jump. <laughs> How do you know about atomic weapons? 
<laughs> and even no, if it I, was I, like I liked, a... I liked every time um I liked every time not every every time uh Nog Nog was like Nog, Nog was like so this happened with the humans and I was just like and and, and so because every time he said it I just heard in the back of my head from Schoolhouse Rock knowledge is power and I was like right. you are, I was like thank you <laughs> for I was like this is what happens when you read children you learn shit <laughs> yeah the uh, the in- Earth Encyclopedia was definitely like a a one line excuse for why he knows everything but he definitely was like very uh mr peabody just like explaining everything in the background like back in 1946 americans didn't have a one world government and things like that <laughs> the nation states pre-nation states and we got a surprise odo we did oh my god a, yes. a lot of times i can like you know, as much as I love Deep Space Nine, it can be pretty predictable sometimes, but I did not see that coming <laughs> no. at all. I did not expect Odo to be there and to be a dog. Oh dog. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, as it dog. were. Because you're because you're like you you're just you're like ever so slightly but not really wondering, like, okay, we're getting a shot of the dog because it's there and it's by it's by the guy's leg, whatever. Why was the dog left in the room? I guess they just forgot him for some reason. They'll come back and get him. And then he just walks up, whoop, you're like, Oh <laughs> You've been learning. Exactly. Well, that's why I was going through our list, our Odo shapes, and uh I think it's our first animate, you know, non animal of some kind a living creature well, that he's ever done that I in the first of. episode of season three did, oh, wasn't he? i mean yeah. we didn't see it but but he was a bird for a while and he, he oh, talked about right. the yeah. experience of being a bird i'll just say something about the fact that he morphs from an animal i just think of animorphs every time yes <laughs> like i was like oh my god odo is an animorph and I do want to like do that terrible Photoshop from those covers of uh, Renee Abergenois becoming a dog. Please do that. <laughs> that would be great. I looked online and no one had done that before. Are you <laughs> really? Damn it. That no. surprises me. I know. Come Failure, on, internet. internet. Failure. I think this is the pre-full-on meme side of the internet. Which is so great because Samurai Jack true. just came back, and now every episode I go on Reddit, and there's so many Samurai Jack memes, and it's the best. It's like it makes <laughs> me so happy. I need like, to uh, go back and like rewatch the original series so I so I can so I can then watch the so I can watch this new season because good. that's the only reason I haven't watched it because I because I know it, because I, it's like I forget everything, so I need to catch up. I think you don't have to see much, but yeah, you should rewatch it. Do you guys share my thing with like Star Trek episodes and time travel? I don't know. If, I know I've ranted about it, but I'm not sure if you guys have a. I never really careful. thought about it before, but I think I do agree with you. Like anytime we he- I hear about a you know a time travel episode, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that one. It wasn't that great. Although, what was the one you were showing us uh, or talking to us about today, where like Data is just shooting? Oh, I don't remember that one. I need to find that. <laughs> I actually don't remember it either. Like it's very clear. It's it's not just the actor who plays Data. Like it's definitely Data. Like his skin is green. Yeah, it's very clearly some, what's going on here. But there's some TUG Western episode where he's shooting guns at probably a hollow suite. I'm assuming. But someone has recut it with shots of Westworld, and it looks like he's massively. Oh, is that okay, what I thought happened? it was Westworld. I thought yeah, it was, it was Westworld, <coughs> and which also works because Westworld is about killer robots, so it's, it's extra funny. <laughs> it extra makes me laugh. Uh, I think I, th- I think I think the I think the episode you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to think of from TNG is a fistful of datas. Oh my god! That's yep. <laughs> yep. What a name! Season six, episode eight. 
All right, I'm watching that tonight. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, my God, I, now, now that I know, I'm totally doing the same thing. We might do I, a bonus that episode on Fistful just of kicking Kings. ass, and the woman from Westworld is just like, mm-hmm, yes, I am turned on. <laughs> I might have to link to this GIF in, uh, in uh, the show notes because it's just too wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering, he's like, I think I might remember Data being a sharpshooter, but I don't remember that woman like getting turned on by it. Right. <laughs> that was definitely an addition. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It all makes sense now. But yes, like like I said, usually the the sci-fi episode, and like I said, the the Roswell thing is is so cheesy. But I think the fact they played up how cheesy it is made it work for yeah. me. Where, where I think so many of them are like. I feel like Kirk leaves a time and like Spock, you know, George Washington was real important. You're like, okay, great. <laughs> like we all yeah. Thank that. you for letting me know. <laughs> it's like he sees Spock, you dumb Vulcan. George Washington does matter or something like that. I don't know if this episode's that cheesy, but it just sort of feels like that sometimes and feels a little Saturday morning cartoon show to me. But this is actually fun. Maybe it's because it was um the Ferengi who were there and they were very obviously aliens it wasn't like spock wearing a headband kind of time travel <laughs> his famous the most famous awkward line where he's like what's your friend they're not like, the Shh. hell your ways that line that line uh-huh. the line i remember from that movie is they are not the hell your way <laughs> <laughs> because spock thinks that that's just how people talked in you know 1970s well, that, or that they just cursed all the time <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing when they play at the wackiness of like a time travel i think i enjoy it more when it is like a a let's go back to the it's not like seven. the mark twain episode i'm like just i don't care <laughs> yeah. i hate and, the mark twain episode and you knew it was gonna be wacky when when they're when they're all like like hitting themselves in the head like head like it was a v8 commercial it's just like why and it's like this has been going on for four for 30 seconds oh my god they committed <laughs> they did. That's why I liked it, where he's like <clears throat> just mimicking us. <laughs> They're so like... I get it. They're stupid. <laughs> They're just dumb. And yet, and, and yet, uh, somehow, even after Nog brought it up when he was telling the history of four hundred years ago on Earth, it's like, dude, you like he like Nog told you that they were primitive and violent how did you forget with you trying to like screw them over money wise that they were going to eventually turn violent because they were distrustful Mm. yes i love that i like that where it's like that well when you when you deal with a race that is stupid often it's a race that is incredibly violent too yes that is often the case which i liked where cork is like oh they want to murder us real quick too (laughs) i guess i should have expected that but not only do you get greedy humans, you also get violent humans when you get to yeah. Like, yes. Think, thinking utopian. about the last episode, it seemed like like an, an, an almost appropriate flip side to 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 when to when he to when he took the diode out, out when he took the diode out, out, out of out of the bomb head. And it was just like, see, this is what happens when your risk almost gets you killed. Like actually, almost gets you killed. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Was there anything else to say for little green men? Mm. I'm good. Yeah, I think we got everything. We're good. All right. Well, that has been our episode. Next week, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 9, and Episode 10, which are the Sword of Kales, which I'm sure is not a Worf episode, and Our (laughs) Man Bashir, which I'm sure is not a Bashir episode. It's totally going to be a Cisco episode. 
It's totally going to be that. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.